Okay, so we're going to hit to the breaking of bread and prayer. We're going to just small kind recap, walk through the marks that we've seen so far. Uh, I told you guys already again and again, we're going slowly through this because these are the beginnings, the foundations, the origins of a church, of the church that Jesus established. And so we're seeing a lot of healthy marks of what church is. And I know a lot of you young men and women, as you're traveling, as you're visiting places, um, some of you college students, as you, you may be here right now, but maybe for a time you're going to live elsewhere. This will be so good for you to know what is Christianity, what is a church, and is it important to be a part of one and to make sure you're a part of a real one. Okay, so let's just walk through some of the marks and then we'll get into the breaking of bread and the prayers. Um, so we saw already, um, the church is made up of what? We'll do observation like this. Pop quiz. And they. Who's that? Just a group of people? Is that the church? What is that? All, okay, there is, yeah, all sorts of people. Yes, all nations. But what makes a church? Yes, who said it? A bunch of people, yes. Born-again believers, regenerate people, people who actually believe the gospel, right? We saw that earlier in chapter 2. Peter got up and preached the sermon. He said, this Jesus, this Jesus, this Jesus, the one who came, lived the perfect life that we should have lived, died the death that we deserved, and death couldn't hold him. He rose from the grave, right? And he called them. He said, you crucified this Jesus. Repent and believe. Be baptized, in the name of the Lord, repent of your sins, believe in Christ, be baptized. And then the church was birthed, was born. Baptism was that door, that entry into church membership, if you want to call that. But so the church is made up of born-again believers. It's not just a bunch of people in a building. That's a church. And so, no, the church is made up of born-again believers. So that's good. Another mark we saw, these believers devoted themselves to what? First thing that we saw. Well, first, they devoted themselves, right? There was an actual heartbeat. There was an affection for these things. That heart was driven by the gospel. They weren't there for any other reason but Jesus. But they were devoted to, yes, what kind of doctrine? Because there's all other sorts of doctrine. Had to be like the apostles teach. Yes, the apostles teach. What did the apostles teach? Word. To find that more, the gospel, Yes. Jesus, they taught the message that Peter preached, right? You read through the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote, and it's breaking down the gospel, helping churches understand it, get grounded in it, rooted in it. These things, they might seem no-duh, but we're living in a time, guys. It's not so no-duh. It's so easy to go to a church that doesn't even teach the Bible. So you show up at a church, you get in, and they, they don't get into the scriptures, or maybe they get into it but very little bit. And from what you hear, you don't even really actually find a way to Christ and who he is and what he's done. You don't hear these things that you crucified this Jesus. You're a sinner under the wrath of God. You better be red flag, red flag, red flag. Because the church is supposed to teach and preach the gospel, the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation. They were devoted to that. And, and we've been pondering that together as a family, right? Even as a church, how are we growing in our doctrine? Is our doctrine sound? Is it accurate? You know, um, we're trying to grow as a family. All of us want to, I want to, all of us want to grow in the apostles' teaching, right? So we saw that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. 
And then we saw this last week, um, the fellowship, right? What is the fellowship? Just a bunch of Christians hanging out at the park. What made fellowship fellowship? Fellowship, koinonia. It's a bunch of people being brought joint together by something. What made? Say it loud. Go ahead, T. Yes, Christ. Christ-centered fellowship. It was Jesus, this message, this gospel that really brought them together. And like what Gabe pointed out, right? A good evidence of that is in the church. It was all sorts of people. It's a weird group picture. You take a snapshot of the church and you, the world would look at that group picture and be like, how can? How did that happen? How do you like hanging out with you? And how did you ever get connected to you? I thought you guys are different political parties. I thought you guys are different races. I thought you guys are different. I thought you grew up in different hoods. I thought you're rich, you're poor. Like, why do you guys hang? Why do you guys mesh? What holds you together? And the church's song is Christ. Christ. That's why it's so crazy to come to church on Sunday. I just love it. It's, it's I'm walking into this supernatural community, right? And we, we looked at that in, in a, in a Christ-centered fellowship. When the gospel's really at work in here, we forgive each other like nobody's ever seen. We love one another like this world has never seen. There's a supernatural thing in this and our person in here and it's Christ and so now as we move on I love how Luke wrote it out where it went from the word of God to fellowship like hearing the word of God practicing the word of God and 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 now as we get into this kind of a strange phrase if you're not familiar with the Bible or if you haven't read it before it's like breaking a bread what is that they just showed up at the church and started ripping bread. <laughs> you know, that's what they were devoted to, you know. Well, man, wow, that's interesting, you know. Um, and why bread? You know, like, pff, why don't they rip fish? I don't know, you know. <laughs> but we're going to try to understand because what we're going to see tonight, and we're going to look at the breaking of bread, um, it is this part of the text is speaking to the Lord's Supper. It's an ordinance. And, and they've already experienced baptism which is that entryway into the church you know and this lord's supper so something i hope for us to really kind of get grounded and realize about church is the christ-centeredness of the nature of this community i mean gosh they heard the word of christ they lived out the word of christ and now they're going to have this ordinance this thing that christ ordained he mandated jesus your lord mandated baptism if you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, you really believe in Christ, and you have yet to be baptized, your Lord said be baptized. You should get baptized. But understand what you're doing. You're, you're, you're dramatizing this union with Christ and a people, the church. So baptism and membership, it, it goes hand in hand. But see, we don't talk about these things nowadays at church. It's, it's foreign. But, the, but it's in the Bible. And so anyway... As these things happen, though, I love, I love, I love. Raise your hand. Kids, I'll ask you first. Children, who is into picture books? You guys like picture books? Or are you just like books with just words? Yeah, yeah. Pastor Johnny's in the back. <laughs> yes, bro. I'm a picture book. Um, how about dramas? You guys like plays? <laughs> oh, yes. Amen. You know? <laughs> Hannah be like, yeah. I, I've gone to one. Like, never mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, plays are cool. They're all right. I, I, I do like plays. Um, 
Okay, how about this motion pictures, movies, movie people when they were open? Right? Okay, no, but it's, okay. Remember this, understand this. I think I love this one thing about our God is he knew you and I were visual learners. Pictures are great. Symbols are wonderful when they serve its purpose. And there's two ordained dramas and pictures that Jesus gave the church, instituted in the church. The first one was baptism. We got a brother in the house who's going to get baptized later this month. People are like, everyone's like, it's Gabe. Yeah, yeah. He's like, what's up, G? Nice jacket. Um, but so, you know, Brie got baptized, I think, last month. Was it last month? Okay, right? And so, and, it, and, and many of you have gotten dunked, right? And, um, but it's, it's good because as a family, when we watch these things, they're not just warm, fuzzy feels, and you throw a lay, and you take some pip- pictures. It's, 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 it ought to be. Okay, if any of you have made a serious commitment to something or a covenant or something, for me, the most serious one in my life, other than following Christ, is my marriage to my beautiful wife, Sam. All right? Now, and, and when, you, when you take a serious commitment and a vow, which a lot of young people nowadays have a hard time doing, right? Commitment is everyone's problem, um, at least from when I talk to people. <laughs> I got some commitment issues, cause, or I got some trust issues. Everyone get trust issues. I mean, but that's what that's what Jesus calls us to, and and the serious covenant commitment that He said, "I want you to make that public proclamation of faith and show it," is baptism. Now look at our text. It says in verse forty-one, they, "Those who received His word were baptized." These are not nominal quote-unquote, Christians. They're not people who just say they follow Jesus. There's a seriousness about these people. This is what we need to understand real first and foremost, and we got to come back to it again and again because we're not reading about people who just go to church. They're not. They're people who have realized their sin and that they deserve hell. And if you have yet to realize that, then I I guarantee for the duration of your life, maybe even now in this room, what you are doing or what's motivating you is you're somehow trying to do and live your life in such a way where you can be good enough to get saved. And, And so for us who believe in Christ, we realize we can't do that. Christ is our only. No one comes to the Father unless through him. All right? And so... They took, they believed, they got baptized. And as they continued to do church life, I love that Jesus instituted in the church another picture. And he says, I want you to see this. So when we see Gabe get baptized, it's, it's an opportunity for those of us who have been baptized. Just like when, for us married people, when we go to other weddings, we get like all the kind because we relive ours and, you know, we, you know, whatever. But, and it's, it ought to do that though. It's a picture that rekindles, so it is with the Lord's Supper or communion. You know, the bread and the the wine or the the, the cracker and the juice or whatever you've experienced maybe if you've gone to church. And here I want to say this straight up. I mean, this this, this stuff convicts me all the time. I mean, it's like I wonder how, how often we have taken communion and we've done it wrongly. The picture, the drama before us 
didn't serve the purpose that God had intended it to serve. I'll be honest with you. I grew up in this church, and when communion was Paul, me and some other Kaloi kids would run to the back corner, raid that cabinet, and we would finish all the bread and all the juice. We're just taking these little shots of just all the juice. Praise the Lord, it wasn't real wine. Because, bro, we just went back there and raided that thing. That was my experience of communion growing up, you know? And, um, and for the most part, I'll, I'll, sometimes communion was just one of those weird, awkward things. And it's kind of boring. And what are we doing? What, what is this cup? What is this cracker? Can I eat it already? My uncle over there already started chomping down. What, can I, when can I eat mine? How come he got a bigger piece of bread than me? What's going on? You know, like, these are the things that are going on in our minds. And, and, and so I do want to go slow, and I want to chew on breaking a bread for a bit. It doesn't mean to be like a, but we're going to chew on this. We're going to eat this. We're going to, because I, I hope for us to see three things about the breaking of bread, and then we're going to finish with prayer. Um, but I want us to see when it says that they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. The first thing is they were looking at the cross they cherished, Okay. That's the first thing. We're going to talk about that for a bit. So they were looking at the cross they cherished. The second thing I want us to see is they were looking at the church they committed to. They, look, they were looking at the church they committed to. And then the last thing I want us to see is they were looking ahead to the kingdom that they were waiting for. So there was a lot of things that ought to have been going on as they looked at this picture. You know, I love that God is a picture God. I love it. I love it. Yeah, ah, he is. I mean, from the beginning when he spoke things into existence, all of creation, you know Romans 1? All the, the birds and the bees, the flowers, the trees, the oceans, everything was meant to give us this general revelation of, wow, there's got to be a maker. There's got to be a God. That's general revelation. And it stirs up this wonder. And then through the word of God coming flesh, this is your Christmas story, Jesus. He came from heaven to earth, and he lived out this specific revelation of Christ, your Savior. Now, the, the thing is, the struggle, the thing I think for any of us who've been walking with the Lord for some time is to, is we forget this. We forget the picture. Like you, you see a cross and it doesn't move you. You see the bread, you see the cup, and it's just elements. This is what I pray and hope does not happen in this place. Because they're hearing the word, they're living the word, and now Jesus is helping them to remember. Don't forget this. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's read and then we'll get into these three things on the Lord's Supper. And then we'll have some... Thoughts on prayer. So it says, to the breaking of bread. So I already said, this is a Christian ordinance, the Lord's Supper. We're going to look at two passages to understand this a bit more. Um, the first one is Luke 22. And then the next one is going to be 1 Corinthians 11. So you guys are going to turn there since we're only looking at like another one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight words tonight. So go to Luke 22. Luke 22. The first thing we're going to see is they looked at the cross they cherished. They looked at the cross they cherished. As you turn, I'm going to grab water.
Thank you. All right, Luke 22. Let's read verse 14. When the hour had come, uh, oh, no, no, I'll, I'll just, I'll read it, Pop. It's all good. We're, <laughs> uh, Luke 22, are you there? Oh, did I cite it wrong? Yeah, 14. Yeah, the, the Lord's Supper, institution of the Lord's Supper. Okay, Luke 22, verse 14, it reads like this. And when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Rightly so. I mean, he is the Passover lamb. Verse 16, when I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 17, here we go. He took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. That's how we get breaking of bread, right? They're not just ripping bread for no reason. He broke it. He gave it to them saying, look at the symbolism, this is my what? My body, which is given to you. Do this in big word, remembrance. Remembrance of me. Verse 20, likewise the cup. After they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So we have the body and the blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table for the son of man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man by him who is betrayed. Speaking of Judas, they began to question one another, which of them could it be who's going to do this? So this is where he instituted this breaking of bread. He said, boys, careful. This is my body. Broken that in just hours after this, Jesus was beaten to a pulp. Isaiah says beaten so bad that they couldn't even make out that he was human. This is what was to be on the minds and the hearts and on the meditations of the church when they took this supper. Not just is that guy's bread bigger than mine. They were to remember the blood. Why the blood? Well, by this time through Acts, you, you, we should know this. The blood that was shed on the cross. He was whipped and lashed, pierced hands and feet, spear to the side, thorns pressed on his brow. He was crucified. At the Lord's Supper, they were to survey the cross. They were to remember this new covenant. Let me read. You can write this down. Let me read you from Jeremiah 31. It says this, Jeremiah 31, uh, verse 31 to 34, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, the house of Israel, house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with the fathers on the day when I took them out of the uh, land of Egypt. That's the old covenant, the law, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. And those, uh, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them. And I will write on their hearts 
And I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and his brother, saying, Know the Lord. They shall know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. I will forgive them of their iniquity, and I'll remember their sins no more. This is the new covenant that Paul was writing about in 1 Corinthians 11. He quotes the same thing that we read in Luke 22. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember the body. Remember I was beaten. Remember the blood that was shed. I paid for something in full. What? The forgiveness of your sins. When we take Lord's Supper, or what this church was devoted to remembering, guys, was the cross, the bloody cross, the forgiveness of their sins. Question, when's the last time you thought of that? When's the last time you remembered that? You put effort into reflecting on that. You woke up this morning. And we went through a day, and we've complained about all sorts of things. When's the last time we've really just reflected and recalled to mind that we're forgiven? You're a Christian, right? You're under grace. Like, like these are the things that govern the hearts and minds of the church. And I, I think it's great that Jesus says, you've got to remember this. I think Jesus knows that we are a church that's forgetful. Don't assume that this is just no duh stuff. We can easily fall from this. We can, we can say all the right things. We might have the right definitions for our, our understanding of, of the gospel and theology and stuff, but we can totally forget the cross and start living like we don't believe in salvation by grace through faith in Christ. That happens a lot. And this is why the church was devoted to the Lord's table. We got to be careful. And I really want to speak directly to myself and other church members. We got to be careful. This, the Lord's Supper, ought to, it should have brought them back to that moment of when they got baptized. This is what governed their meditation when they broke bread. I mean, if you haven't yet, or if you're not even in the practice of it, it'll do you good to sit still and really think of the passion and sufferings of Christ on that cross for you. If you really believe you're saved, think of all the sin that you've committed and still have committed and still commit, knowingly and unknowingly. That's why he bled out. That's so why it was so painful. He was paying for something. He wasn't wasting blood. That was for my sin and yours. And our Lord said, don't forget that. We mustn't forget that. They were devoted to remembering this. Now at communion, let's go to Luke, uh, 1 Corinthians 11. There's more that went on than just remembering the cross. And that's not, I don't, I don't say that to downplay the cross. That's that if, if I would encourage you, brother, sister, spend good, serious time reflecting. And not, and you know, to Brother Gabe, where he was getting baptized, you know, he's been reflecting on this a lot because in light of the, um, the baptism coming up, but Brother Gabe, the, 
the temptation is that we'll forget that. We're going to drift from that as we go on. And that's why God gave us the Lord's Supper. But um, go to 1 Corinthians 11. And I think of all the times, how many times I must have participated in church and not really done this right. Shame on me. Really. And we're, I'm praying through this too as this way and keeping the ordinances and, and, and growing in our understanding of what it is we're doing. We don't want anything that we do here together as a family to be irreverent and not what God had intended it to be. But the second thing I want us to see from when they looked to the cross they cherished was they examined themselves. So in 1 Corinthians 11, I'm going to read the whole chunk at first. I'm going to point out things. I'm going to, I'm going to do it kind of Portuguese, exegesis. I'm going to break it down backwards. Um, so uh, <laughs> thanks, Kev. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 17 to 33. So let's read. Paul is writing to a church in Corinth, and they're trying to devote themselves to breaking the bread, and they're not doing a good job. Okay, so he says, verse 17. So in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Okay, straight up. Uncle Paul is like, no, no, no. He is not doing good. Because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. 18. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear the divisions among you. And I believe it in part. There must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. And when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. 21. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? You see that? Just see that. If, if Paul had one e uh, emoji, it'd be that uh, yellow blue face. You know? It's like, what? And then he says, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 25. In the same way, also, he took the cup. After supper, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're going to come back to all that. Verse 27. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. This hit me in the gut. The body and blood of the Lord. Now look at this 28. They surveyed the cross. But they also did this. Let a person examine himself. Then, and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill. And some have died. Holy moly. I just think how much grace God has given not just us at this church, but just in general. How many churches have been just not doing this in a worthy manner? 31. But if we judged 
ourselves truly, we would not be judged, 32, but when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment about the other things. I'll give directions when I come. So I just think Paul putting down that whatever he was using, feather, pen, or I don't know, and just like, oh, my gosh. You just ruined the party. You guys are those kind of people. They come early, they eat all the food, and they get drunk. And then just, this is a family, holy meal. You're doing it wrong. You're not surveying the cross. You're not remembering the body and the blood, and this is what you're not doing. And this is what I pray that we would be encouraged to do tonight. You're not examining yourself. When they took this meal together, the early church was devoted to remembering the cross and then taking their sin seriously. They set aside solitude, serious silence to sit and reflect and think, am I in sin this evening? I'm about to take the Lord's Supper. Is there a brother or sister that I'm divided with? Is there tension in, in, my, in the family here? Is there sin going on? This is a Psalm 51 moment. As you know, my sin's before me. This is a Psalm 139 moment. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Is there any grievous, is there anything in me that's grieving you? Lead me in ways everlasting. When they, when they were at the table, they examined themselves. This is a very, very important and foreign practice for us today to sit and reflect. You know what we like to do is to sit and judge. We can examine everybody else really good. Brother over there, sister over there, uncle over there. They, mm, 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 but we don't really do much time letting the Lord examine us. We don't like exams, right? Young people, we don't like tests. We don't like exams. We don't like that stuff. We just don't want examination. And that's the, that's the true parts of our hearts. Why? Why, why, does, why do I not like going to the dentist? And why do I for years struggle with going? Because I don't want to know the truth. Don't tell me I have that many cavities. No. You know, we don't want to go to the doctor. We don't want that x-ray. We don't want to examine. We don't want light to be shine on us. But this is what the first church, the early church, did. And it is what we ought to do. This is a great example. A healthy church takes sin serious. And they take the grace of God just as serious. Because where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Where sin runs deep, grace runs deeper. This is the drama that they're seeing when they take the elements. Don't forget, you're in this family. And you're on this journey of faith. Not because of anything that you've done, young man, young woman. It's all grace. It's always been grace. And it's always been paid by the blood of my son on the cross for you. That's why you keep going. And that's why you can. And that's why with this sin, and I'm pleading with some tonight, if you are in sin tonight, children, if you've been lying to your parents, you've been stealing from their purses or whatever, young men and women, you've been watching pornography, whatever it is, husbands, wives, you're cheating on your spouses, you're tempted to do it, whatever it is, whatever sin that's honestly governing our hearts, we must not run and hide. You run to the Savior. You run to Christ. You repent of your sin. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to read to you Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. You can turn there if you want. I'm going to read it. 
Verse 1, it says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and a sacrifice of God. That's the gospel right there. Verse 3, sexual morality, impurity, covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, crude joking, out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. You want to have a happy thanksgiving? Confess your sins to God. Get out of the dark. Go to him. Go to Christ. Verse 5, for you, have, you may be sure of this, that everyone who's sexually moral and impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Be clear of that. If that's your practice, that's your lifestyle, that's what you want to do, you love that sin, you do not inherit the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. Take no part of the unfruitful works of darkness. Instead, expose them. Examine yourself and expose them. For it is, and I get this, even Paul gets this, it's shameful. Even to speak of these things, the things that they do in secret. Verse 13, but when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. Anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. To the soul in the house that's living in darkness right now, and you know this. And maybe you're examining yourself right now. For the first time in a long time, you're taking, this is serious. You're, 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 you're identifying sin in your heart and in your life. This is what the church did when they, took, when they were at the table. Come to Christ. Don't run and hide. That's why Hebrews, I love Hebrews. We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who is in every way tempted just as we are. So we hold fast to that confession. What confession? That Christ is our Lord. And you go to him with confidence. You go to him, find help in your time of need. This was a time where they looked to the cross they cherished. And they reflected on the body and the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of their sins. And they examined themselves deeply. I want to encourage you, brother, sister, myself included, Let's examine ourselves. Paul writes later in 2 Corinthians 13, examine yourself. See if you're in the faith. This ought to be a regular practice for us as a church. When, you, when Gabe comes out of the waters, he's not going to be just like bouncing off the walls and never going to sin again. He's going to struggle and begin his journey of sanctification. The Lord's Supper was intended to help us with this. A healthy church takes sin serious and grace serious. They surveyed the cross. They cherished. The next thing they did, though, they looked around at the church they were committed to. Let me just go back to that 1 Corinthians 11 passage and highlight some things. It's, it's crazy how often this is read. It says in verse 17, 
when you come together. Verse 18, when you come together as a church. Verse 20, when you come together. Verse 22, do you despise the church of God? 33, when you come together and eat, wait for one another. This is this meal, the breaking of bread, it was also a reminder they're part of a family. It's a family meal. The early church, they spent time at the table remembering the cross, examining themselves, and then remembering, I'm not alone in this. We're all here at this table by the same grace and the same faith and the same Lord. And when we do this and we, we celebrate it as a family, there ought to be this awe, this wonder of just like, oh my gosh, like I'm a part of a family. And we come together. Don't forget that. They renewed their covenant, if you want to use those terms. They were reaffirming and reassuring one another like, man, amen, yeah, he did die for our sins. There's one God, amen, and the house, amen. You know, like, there's that sense of like, remember this fellowship is because of Christ. But Paul is ripping them. He's like, you guys aren't waiting for each other. You're forgetting the whole symbolism of this. You're all partaking the same bread. What are you guys doing? You're ruining the picture. So if there's non-believers watching this and they're getting a funky picture, I hope and pray here at Nuanu, we paint the picture right. Lord, help us. Amen. Amen. So they were dedicated. They were recommitting themselves to this family, per se, in a sense. They were, they were taking the bread. They were taking the cup. And it wasn't just this individualistic thing. That's probably the difference between the ordinance of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Baptism, it's the act of a church and that individual becoming un united with Christ. And then, But at the Lord's Supper, it's like we're, we're affirming this, all of us coming together as one family. Many being brought made one. That's why I think a healthy church takes their covenant serious. They take membership serious. They take being a part of an ohana serious, and they define it. That's what the Lord's Supper is supposed to do. That's why one of the things we're going to work on this year at our church, at Nuanu, when we do Lord's Supper, we're going to read our covenant. Let's do that. And I hope that as the year goes on, we grow in our devotion to the breaking of bread. Let's draw that line and make it clear of who are the people of God and who are not. And let's examine ourselves honestly and sincerely if we're just nominal as a Christian. We say we follow Christ, but we don't really live like it. And we sure don't want to take the time to examine and expose anything. That's a little uncomfortable. Just let me come to church. I mean, I'll sit there. I'll participate. No, none of this fake stuff. Lastly, on the breaking of bread, and then I do want to get to prayer if God gives us some time. Notice in the same chapter, 1 Corinthians 11, I believe it's verse 26. As often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, look at this, you proclaim. When we take the Lord's Supper, or when the church did this, they were preaching as a church. They were proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. They were proclaiming. The ordinance preached. They dramatized the gospel. They're preaching it all over again. They looked ahead to the kingdom. They, remember, they reminded each other, yes, we're saved by grace. 
We're examining our sin. We're getting rid of it at the cross. Hey, but our king is coming. Keep your head up, brother, sister. Come what may, whatever you're going through this week. We take that bread, we take that cup, and we also remember our king is coming. Not leaving me here in this darkness, in this mess of a world. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's how they prayed. They were proclaiming the Lord's death and that he's coming. You're struggling with depression and things like that right now. You know it's really healthy and helpful. Remember, this life is not where it's at. I was reading this morning in my devotional time, and John, it says, in a little while, you'll see me. A little while, a little while, a little while. James reminds us, this life is a vapor. Those of you in the house who, who health, <laughs> those of you in the house, and you, your, your heart is set on Christ. You have, you have trusted him with your sin. And he's your Lord. He's your Savior and Lord. Understand this. Whatever pain you're going through this week, whatever stuff and drama that's, that has been occupying your mind and weighing you down, you're part of the kingdom of God. And our king is coming. And he will set things right. You are saved and secure. Hang on. You have a hope. You have every reason to sing. You have every reason to wake up. Put your stuff on. You have a mission. We have a mission as a church. We must proclaim this message. There are hurting people all over the place. And they need to hear this. That's what this church was doing when they were at the table. They were proclaiming the death and resurrection. They were reannouncing the gospel again and again and again, as often as they ate it. Just think for those of us who've been church for some time, when's the last time we've experienced Lord's Supper like that? This, this deep, weighty recollection and remembrance, even a somberness, and then yet this total, huge celebratory proclamation of just like, ha oh. ha. Our king's coming. This life's not where it's at. I hope and pray to experience more Lord's Supper like that with you guys. If God doesn't return tomorrow or tonight. That's another thing about this whole thing. If you really believe he's coming, you know he can come any moment now. Any minute right now. Boom. In the flash, the twinkling of an eye. Right? It's crazy. But we forget and we go on and we live life as if. This is why he said, do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget this. So there was this great expectation of heaven and a future hope. This is the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread. These are the things that govern the hearts and minds of the early church. I hope and pray that you, young man, young woman, and as a family, we will grow in this. Let's learn to reflect. Let's learn to remember the main things that matter. Let's learn to remember the cross we cherish and the church we're committed to and the kingdom that is to come and that our king is coming. Keep, let these things occupy your mind. You and I, we've wrestled and let so much other things govern our thoughts today, right? We need to let this be more and that be less. 
we get all fussy-wussy about things that don't really matter. A <laughs> hundred years from now, whatever you're stressing about today, is it going to matter? We need to set our hearts on things above. So let's finish um, the verse. Um, if you've known me for some time, if you've known me for years, I should say, I have a lot to say about prayer. I love prayer. I could say a lot. There's much to be said. It is probably the most unattractive and most avoided part of meeting and gathering at church is prayer. But they were devoted to this and they were growing in this and, and, I, and I pray that our church would too. And so I just want to mention two things about their devotion to prayer and then we'll be powered with the verse in tonight. The doctor, the historian Luke was inspired by the spirit and he, he rightfully noted in Acts, that the church was devoted, apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. Studying about Christ, loving each other in Christ, remembering Christ, communing with Christ. I'll just spit you some verses. Acts 4.31, when they had prayed, the place where they gathered was shaken. Acts 6.4, the apostles devoted themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Acts 12.5, Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying earnestly for him. Uh, Acts 13, they were fasting and praying. Prayer was such a huge, vibrant, vital part of the health of a church, of this church, and all churches that are truly Christian. A healthy church is a praying church. Two things I want to make mention. This is Christian prayer. They were devoted to Christian prayer. I, I say that as I sound a little dull, but it means if you haven't got it by now, this church was founded on the gospel. Christ is the head of the church. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were really praying to Christ. That might sound no duh, but I, I would almost be careful and argue this is spooky. Because if churches aren't devoted to the apostles' teaching or the doctrines of grace or sound doctrine, then, then and their fellowship is not really Christ-centered and, and, and what the, they don't even keep the ordinances, then who are they praying to? And people wonder and get so irritated and they say stuff, I tried praying, it doesn't work. What if you had the wrong number? <laughs> well, I got to be honest. What if you had the wrong number? You could have the right name on your contact. You've been calling all day. Hey, bro, I trying to call you all day because uh, I never got a phone call. I saw on my phone, it said, Chris, I was calling you all day. I checked their contact. That's not the number. Oh, what if that's your prayer life? That's spooky. You could say you're praying. But I'm not quite sure. Are you praying to Christ, this Jesus? This church was praying to this Jesus. This is why it was so critical that they understood the Bible and their faith and who they were trusting in and following and praying to. You got to remember this too about this church. I think this is why they were so devoted and it was just so normative because they were actually tapping into Christ. They were getting through. Can you imagine? The sum of your Christian life? You've been trying to pray and you had the wrong number? When Jesus says in John 14, 6, no one comes to the Father except through me. 
Oh, but I thought I was calling you. That's the name I, I said in Jesus' name. This was Christian prayer, guys. My question is, is not tonight, are you devoted to prayer? Have you been praying? How often do you pray? How long? Where do you pray? No, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm just, who are you praying to first? Whom do you pray to? Is it this Jesus? The Jesus, the historic Jesus of the Bible. The one that really did live, perfect, die, rise. That one. The one that you have called upon the name of the Lord. That Lord. You've, that Jesus. Second thing. Their faith in the presence of Christ and dependency on Christ, I believe, by the power of the Holy Spirit, was what fueled their devotion to prayer. Like, you got to imagine this. This church, they, this is fresh. Their faith is so fresh. They saw this Jesus die and rise. And even after he ascended, they kept praying to him because he really existed to their faith. Hebrews 11 says you can't, it's impossible to please God. If you draw near to him, you got to believe he exists. So now I wonder and ask, why don't you pray? Examine yourself. Perhaps you don't believe he exists. A prayerless church has all a lot of issues with that. There's a lot of things that we could call ourselves out on. I mean, is it, do we just, have we forgotten he's real? Do we not think he's coming? Do we just not even believe in him? Are we praying to the wrong Jesus? Are we just so prideful to think that, you know, no, we need to just preach and do programs and we need to go hard, 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 but we don't have time to pray. Okay. When Jesus says in Matthew 16, no, I will build my church. That's why it says at the end, when we finish the, the chapter, the Lord added to their number, of course, because they were praying to the Lord. I, I've been having so much fun hearing a lot of you guys' testimonies. I do think we're growing in fellowship this past week, this past Sunday. It's so much fun just sitting with some people and just hearing people share testimony. That's a great way that we ought to fellowship in this place. Hear each other's story. Help examine with each other. Are we even saved? That's a great conversation to have. And then when we pray together, there's, there's just something about it when you actually start tapping in to the presence of God and you start to actually realize that salvation is a work of him. All of him start to finish. There's nothing, it has nothing to do with us or me or anyone in this room. If your heart's beating for this stuff, if you're, you want more of this, it's because... The spirit of God is at work through the prayers of people. I really do believe, and I love that my parents are here. I really do believe one of the reasons that I'm saved is my parents have prayed for me day in and day out, and they still pray for me. So that my heart, I just think God honored that prayer. I scorned all of this. We need to pray. What makes us think we can do this without God? God forbid, have mercy on us. A prayerless life is good evidence that we and you and I, we're prideful. We're not dependent on Christ. So we don't, why, why, why call upon him? And why call upon him with any desperation? What? Paul, what? You pray on your knees. Come, why do you need to get on your knees? How many times, he says, this reason I bow my knee. Because he knows he has no power in and of himself. It's all Christ. 
We'll pause there. Now we're going to see, though, the result, the crazy powerful effect of the gospel from verse 42, what now happens from 43 to 47, what this church experiences together in Christ because of the Christ-centered nature of their devotion. It's crazy. And I hope and pray that this is the kind of life that we're experiencing as we devote ourselves to the Bible study, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. We'll pray and we be pal. I love that. Did you love it? I love it. I hope it gets, I hope all those little things get in the recording too, just the kids running around and, you know. <laughs> Kevin being like, yeah, <laughs> at the wrong moments. We don't like examination. Yeah, I, don't know. <laughs> so it's, I love that. But uh, we'll pray and ask the Lord to grow us all together as a family in our devotion. Do love you guys. And I'm so happy to be here with you and to be growing in this particular time of the age. So God help us. We pray that you would stir up a holy affection in the heart of your church here in Uwanu. Lord, we pray that we would take your word and believe it, that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, that if we confess our sins to you, you're faithful and just to forgive and cleanse because of the blood of Christ and we pray, I pray that even as, as prayers were probably going up in the midst of Bible study tonight, there were sins that were coming to the, to the forefront of our minds and we were examining ourselves and there was confessions being written on notes and things like that or thought in the heart and the mind that they would be, they would be brought to you. I pray that you would even work faith within brothers and sisters to confess sin to one another and to get prayer that there might be healing. And we pray that at our church we would, Keep the ordinances, Lord. We would keep the baptism and the Lord's Supper and do them rightly. And the picture, the symbol, the drama of them would really remind us and reinvigorate us for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, make us a praying church. We pray that we would pray all the time without ceasing. We pray in the midst of singing. We pray in the midst of preaching and teaching and just fellowship. Just prayer would just be so a part of our life. It's like breathing. The word of God would be our bread that we feed on and without it we'd starve and prayer would be like air that we breathe in and without it we would choke. So please, Lord, uh, continue, this, um, continue this devotion. Help us to be simply devoted, deeply delighted in knowing Jesus and making Jesus known by your grace in Jesus' name. Amen.